Episode 8 of Keep It Real Parenting is sponsored by Catch His Vibes. The Catch His Vibes community is growing and would love for you to join and not only catch his vibes, but share them and be a light for the world. Purchase your decal, t-shirt, or hat and join the community while displaying your faith in Jesus Christ and then sharing his love and grace with a lost and struggling world. The Catch His Vibes community's goal is to sponsor Christian youth organizations and help reach our young people for Christ and change the world and strengthen the future for all of us. Don't just catch his vibes, share them. Hey y'all, welcome back to Keep It Real Parenting, where we talk about real stuff, no fluff, ideas and examples of things that really work with children of all ages and all types of personalities. Parenting is a huge responsibility and can be overwhelming much of the time. I want to try and help alleviate some of the stress and insecurities that accompany making decisions regarding your children and the guidance you are giving them. While no one parents perfectly, you can parent in a very powerful way. Today, I'm wrapping up our Pride series with the letter E in Pride. We will talk about excellence today and how we as parents, teachers, or child care providers can really raise the bar and increase expectations for our children to excel. I don't mean to be the best at everything. That's not realistic. I mean to lay down a foundation and expectations that are very plain to see and attainable for your children. Expectations that you really can and will uphold. Plans that will challenge and build pride, independence, respect, determination, and ultimately excellence as your children grow into young adults. Even if you feel like you're behind in doing this or haven't really ever had a plan or expectations laid out before, it's never too late. You can start laying the building blocks toward excellence today. Remember our homework assignment a few episodes ago to make a valiant effort to get 1% better every day. We talked about the book Atomic Habits and how just a 1% improvement on a daily basis can turn into incredible, wonderful atomic habits over time. Conversely, if you stay the same or even do 1% less every day, you can find yourself creating horribly crippling atomic habits over time. So chin up, wherever you are in your parenting journey, there is no time like the present to make an atomic change for the better one day at a time. You got this, mom and dad. I'm super excited this week to have my youngest son, Grady, on the podcast with me. He is home from college for the summer, so we won't even have to do the interview over the phone. I had my second son, Kevin, on the podcast two episodes ago, so it's going to be so fun to get another one of my boys on this week. Before I sit down with Grady, I want to tell you a little bit about him and his journey to becoming who he is today. Grady, from day one, was happy, content, easygoing, and fat. Boy, was he a little chunky monkey and so expressive and cute. Now remember, I told you my oldest son, Jack, was very strong-willed and came out ordering the nurses in the hospital around and screaming his head off. He was a challenge for many years, so when I got a laid-back sleeper baby, I was so relieved. Grady could get wound up as a little boy, don't get me wrong. He was active and could be wide open, just like a lot of little boys are. 
He had his share of consequences and spankings through the years, believe me. He was always very independent, however, and wanted to do things himself. As he grew and I started to see his innate personality and characteristics developing, I saw a common thread of an even-keeled temperament, a sometimes quiet thoughtfulness, and a sit-back-and-take-it-all-in-before-speaking-his-thoughts type of a person. I always thought he was a bit of an old soul, for a lack of a better way to explain it. He would like to sit and fish in silence. He liked to build a fire in the yard and sit and watch it. He liked the solitude of playing his guitar, which he taught himself to play. He would dig in the dirt and play with tractors and Hot Wheels or a train for hours by himself. His mind was always going and imagining and thinking. When he was about in third grade, he asked for an alarm clock for his room. He wanted to wake himself up and get ready for school without any interference from mom. He wouldn't even let me show him how to set the alarm. He read the instructions himself. So, let me get off on a side note here. If you have a young child that's hard to wake up in the morning for school or church or whatever, maybe get them a little cheap alarm clock and make a huge deal about it and tell them you think they are finally old enough and mature enough to take on this very important responsibility all by themselves. Present it in a way that makes them feel super special and grown up and that you have faith in them and that they can and will do it. You know your kids. So some of you may be able to do this with your four-year-old and just help them set the alarm. Some of you may find this helpful for your 10-year-old. It does work, and it's fun to see them light up when you tell them what a big deal this is for them to not have to have mommy wake them up anymore. Pretend to be wavering a bit like you're not sure they can handle it. Act like you're going to hand them the alarm clock, then pull it back and be like, uh, I don't know about this. Are you sure you can handle this? Maybe I should wait. And then say the clincher. Yeah, I should wait. You're probably still too little. They will be begging for the alarm clock and telling you they know they can do it. Kids love to feel big. I mean, just remember what it was like when you finally were able to move up and sit at the big people's table at Thanksgiving instead of the kids' card table in the other room? Same kind of deal. So anyway, back to what I was telling y'all about Grady. It was also in third grade, same time that he wanted the alarm clock, that he had a teacher that he loved, and that teacher held the bar so high that even I thought it was a bit ridiculous to expect such things from eight-year-olds. Well, guess what? Mr. Duncan knew what he was doing, and he knew they could and would rise to his expectations if he stood firm on his foundation and didn't lower or make excuses for the kids. It was amazing to watch. Kids that never thrived in school before and even had learning challenges or hated school and gave their parents fits would excel in Mr. Duncan's room. Kids of all personalities, learning styles, different races, different sizes and shapes, all of them rose to meet Mr. Duncan's expectations for excellence. So what does that tell us as parents? It wasn't about the kids and what they did. It was about their teacher, their leader, the authority over them that set the standard, enforced the rules, and never wavered. The children knew where he stood and felt secure and loved and also challenged to be the best they could be. Mr. Duncan was tough, 
but he also took them on fabulous field trips and loved on them and praised them and encouraged them that they could succeed and do it on their own. He wouldn't make excuses or let parents bring forgotten assignments or projects up to school. It was up to those little eight-year-olds to keep an agenda book and write down their assignments every single day and get their parents' signature in the book every night. Mr. Duncan even made them stand at their desks when answering a question. All of his students had to tuck in their shirts all day, every day. His room was in complete order all the time, with no one talking out of turn or being rude or disrespectful. He would even lead the entire elementary school kids in the Lord's Prayer every day in the cafeteria. And all the kids from PK, pre-K through third grade knew every word to the Lord's Prayer and would fold their little hands and close their eyes. It was precious. He demanded excellence in all areas, behavior, academics, ethics, morals, and in relationships with others. Like I said, it was amazing to watch. When I began teaching, I modeled many of Mr. Duncan's ideas and beliefs about teaching children. And guess what? It worked for me too. And I even taught teenagers in middle and high school. So if you stand firm and you raise the bar, they will rise to the expectation. I tell you all of this because I believe Mr. Duncan and his expectations of excellence had a major impact on my sons in third grade. He always dressed in a coat and tie, so guess what Grady started doing? As an eight-year-old, he started wearing his Sunday best, khakis, dress shoes, shirt, dress coat, and tie to third grade. Now, not every day, but for sure on Fridays for a spelling test. He wanted to dress up and dress for success so he could make an A on that spelling test. I once worked for an incredible man named H.R. Sled, and he always dressed super sharp and almost always in a coat and tie. He was very successful in business, but also in life. I remember he always said, dress like, it, dress like it's important because it is. Wow, moms and dads, maybe we need to step it up a bit and model that behavior of dressing like it's important. Getting up, getting dressed, and making our beds. Why? Because it is important to set the tone for the entire day and get started in a neat and organized fashion. Expect excellence. So anyway, my little Grady began setting his alarm, dressing for success, and studying really hard to meet Mr. Duncan's third grade expectations. Oh, and by the way, my oldest son Jack did not pick up that habit from Mr. Duncan's class when he had him. I was still pouring cold ice water on Jack's head his senior year in high school to get him out of bed. But anyway, Grady moved on up through school, continuing to study hard, play sports, play his guitar, be involved in youth group at church, and work hard on farms or doing yard work to earn money. He held student government offices and was involved in many clubs at school. He made his own spending money and even paid for his own toiletries sometimes when I would have bought them for him. He was independent and working hard toward his goal of attending college and being a military officer. I didn't have to harp on him to do his homework or projects. And in fact, when I would ask him if he had done them, 99% of the time they had been done ahead of time. 
Grady ended up as president of the student body. He was an honor student and an all-state cross-country runner. He also began applying the summer before his senior year for a full scholarship to the United States Military Academy at West Point, and also for a U.S. Army ROTC scholarship to any school of his choice with an ROTC program, and also to Virginia Military Institute. That process is almost a year long and is very detailed, with essays to write, fitness tests to pass, and interviews with senators and former military officers. Grady did the entire application on his own and didn't want me to help him. I did drive him several hours away to an interview with a senator and a panel of military men and prayed my heart out in the car while I waited in the parking lot. Why would Grady want to go through all of that for West Point when he probably had a pretty good shot at following in his older brother's footsteps and just applying to Virginia Military Institute or to a state school that was easier to get into? What made Grady want to do his best and try and raise his own bar every year? What made him push himself to finish that grueling cross-country course and be a top 20 finisher out of about 600-some runners? It was like he was on autopilot from about 6th grade on. He was on top of his game, his responsibilities, and had a plan and goals to achieve. Now don't think for one minute he didn't have his bumps in the road, his mess-ups, his share of disappointments, because he did. That's just part of life. In fact, when you're trying to achieve excellence, when you are trying to do the right thing, when you are working extra hard as a young person, you can actually be ridiculed and teased by your peers for being a brown noser or goody two-shoes or two whatever. People of all ages get jealous when other people succeed or choose the narrow or high road. So believe me, Grady experienced some very hard real life lessons and had his heart broken and beat down and even by some adults in his life. But he stood his ground, took the high road, and it made him stronger and more determined than ever. He shed his tears, shared his disappointments and questions with me sometimes, and we trusted that God knew what he was doing, allowing Grady to go through those very tough situations. Grady's faith in God's plan for his life And his very real trust in him is the foundation that allows him to stand strong and keep moving forward. I do want to sit down with Grady now and have him explain in his own words to both y'all and to me why he thinks he chose to pursue excellence in his life. What made him that way? Let's hear it straight from my 21-year-old baby boy. Hey, Grady. Thank you for taking the time away from your free time after work to sit down with me at the kitchen table and help me share about helping kids to want to pursue excellence. I've already shared a little bit about you and your journey through school up to this point. I explained how I watched you be very independent from a young age, and you sort of always were an old soul in a young person's body in a way. I want to say that I am so proud of the man you've become and the way you always do your best and have such a helpful spirit about you. So I wonder if you could just talk about what you think made you determined or made you study harder or try hard in cross country or want to run for student government president or try to get a scholarship to West Point or VMI or whatever. Was there one thing that really sticks out in your mind or was it a combination of things over the years? Um, so before I start, um, I know that over these past episodes, 
my mom has been making us look like angels, but I can guarantee that we're not. Um, and I'm not especially. Um, I've done a lot of things that I feel shameful about and that I still remember, but that's besides the point. Um, I would say that the foundation, um, just, I don't know a lot. Of, I'm a kid still. Um, I'd say that the foundation for excellence in your kids, from my experience, the foundation has to be strong. And what I mean by that is um, from a young age, there has to be consequences. Um, I don't really remember. I remember being disciplined by my dad. Uh, I could count on one hand how many times that happened. Now, with my mom, on the other hand, um, I don't think there's enough hands in the world. But <laughs> Great, thanks. Um, no, that, but that's what I'm going to talk about is because the the foundation of learning that there's consequences for your actions is very important. And I think that in today's time, you can see even in the grown-up world that there's no consequences for actions um, that have been taking place. Um, but regarding me, I think that I learned if I did something that I was told not to do, um, there's punishment. And... It worked, but obviously kids don't really learn quickly. Some don't. Um, but I would say consequences are necessary because real life has consequences. There's consequences at work um, for not doing your job to the standard. Um, there's consequences for speeding. There's there's fines for all sorts of different things. And there's consequences, um, I mean, even in married life, as an example, you, you do something to... Um, hurt your spouse and and you pay for that um so what made you like I told them earlier in the podcast before we are having this discussion I told them that from like when you were really little you've always been really independent and kind of like an old soul and you wanted to do good was it because initially like you said there were consequences obviously if you didn't make good grades you got in trouble that were those were my rules but how did that change over the years like was it because you got recognized for doing well and you liked that feeling and so how did that kind of change over the years with our teachers was it because of the environment you were in what kept you going towards I want to do better I want more I want to get a scholarship to college um, so, yes, from a young age, I knew I wanted to go to school, and I had my mindset um, on being in the military, um, just from a family background and just a fascination. So I knew that I wanted to be successful in the military, so I knew that I needed to go to a school, or th thought I needed to go to a school um, like VMI or West Point to start off strong and achieving that. So I just, I knew I, that I wanted to see succeed and I knew that I wanted to make my mom proud and my family proud and my brother proud for the work that I put in. Um, so I strove to get a scholarship. Luckily I got it and I'm in, I'm in school now. Um, and I think that there for a while I was, I was just so focused on doing this for me, for me, what I wanted to achieve, um, and now that I've grown up a little bit and I've been out on my own and I've experienced, luckily, um, the Lord has reached out to me and um, 
has gotten a handle on me and has changed those desires. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of well. Kinda so say. no. So you were. I'll just say this. He was striving to be company commander of his company at college. It's a big deal and it's a lot of work. And now as he's going into his senior year, he's kind of had a mind shift and he said, you know, the Lord's gotten a hold of him and he's thought about it and that's maybe not a goal that he is going to go for next year. And so, Grady, just tell them why why you came to that conclusion. Um, yes, yeah, so I did. I wanted to be CEO and I wanted to be part of the honor court and I thought, that that's what I was gonna do, um, and 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 frankly, I think that it would have happened if I would have um, gone for it because I'd set myself up through the rank system at VMI to get that position. Um, but then I realized that there's more things important. I knew that in a few years nobody's gonna remember my position in a VMI or or, or care. Um, and once I'm in my career, um, that I'll be. I'm not going to really care what I did at VMI. I'm just going to remember those who are around me. Um, and so I've I've been luckily to form a relationship with um, Mr. Mark Stoneburner, and he has been discipling me for the past two and a half years now. Um, what group is he with? Freddie, tell them about that. Um, so my I attend a weekly Bible study um, at school called The Navigators. And what The Navigators is, uh, their mission is to... Well, they're a Christ-centered um, organization, um, and their mission is to spread the gospel to the court VMI, um, into the armed forces, and into the nations that we uh, are deployed to. Um, and so what we do is we we spread, I mean, we just like it said, we spread the gospel. Um, we try to tell others about Christ. And I think that I went from chasing a dream of being CEO at VMI, which I realized would only last for VMI. And then, so I started to focus on my army career. And then I realized that that would only last for my career in the army. And nobody, my, my grandkids are going to be the last person who, who remember what I did or any relevant thing for that matter, because my life and all of our lives are like a speck of dust. So I realized that I needed to change my focus on my faith and not only my faith, but, um, to those that God put around me, um, just to, and if I'm not doing anything significant, just to be there for them, um, and to try and help them through their problems and guide them and to help them stay firm in their faith. Um, so next year you're going to maybe take on a leadership role in navigators then? Yeah. So I'll be, I'll be in charge I'll be the cadet in charge of the group. Um, Mr. Stoneburner leads it, and I'll be um, his helper, and I will be leading a small group after the Bible study a few days later for all of us to meet and um, talk about what we learned and what we've thought over the next few days after the ser- or after the lesson. But um, okay, well, that I mean, I think you're exactly right. Like you have an eternal. Um, eternal perspective and I think that's so important because you're right nobody's going to remember what accolades you got in college you might have a trophy or a plaque on the wall and a diploma but um, yeah you trying to minister to the guys around you and the girls around you and be there for them and um, share the gospel is so much more important and so 
I'm really proud of you and happy to hear you say that, um, that you're not chasing material or worldly accolades, but you want to make a difference and help change one person. And um, so great. Well, thank you for being on. I know this is, it's kind of awkward and it's um, new. It's new for me too, doing a podcast, but I think it's so important that we share to other parents and different caregivers that are trying to raise young people in this crazy world and maybe just one thing grady that you shared will ring true with them and so thank you so much for taking some time out of of your evening to talk with mom and and everybody listening and just share your perspective and know that um it will mean something to someone and so i really appreciate it and Thanks for being on the podcast, and I'm sure that um, I'll have you on again sometime. Alrighty, thank you. Alright. Well, just so you know, like Grady mentioned, he did have consequences, and I did spank my kids, but never in anger or out of control. I also did not count to three or to ten to get them to do what I asked them to do, because they needed to do what I asked the first time if for no other reason than for a future situation where they might be in danger and need to immediately stop and listen and obey. So if they didn't obey, there was an immediate consequence, and it was one they didn't enjoy. Kind of like us paying that speeding ticket or having to take off work to appear in traffic court. Been there, done that. Super expensive and a huge inconvenience, not to mention embarrassing. Your kids must feel the consequence in a pretty big way to make an impact and make them not want to have it happen again. Y'all heard Grady say that initially his consequences started him off on the path towards seeking excellence. If he didn't make good grades or behave at home or in school, there was a punishment. That eventually turned into making the right choices to set himself up for a scholarship, a career as an army officer, and for a leadership role in the Navigators organization to minister to fellow cadets at VMI. So earlier, we talked about the importance of raising the bar of expectations and standing firm with your decisions as a parent. I used the example of Mr. Duncan's class and how he demonstrated that kids of all types will rise to the standards set before them. So what can we do as parents right away to begin to facilitate a similar approach with our kids? It goes back to the moment you bring them home from the hospital. Having a plan, a schedule, and framework that works for your family is so important. You may ask, what does this have to do with instilling a drive for excellence? Well, if you start off from day one, setting the guidelines and sticking to them with your infant, it will continue to translate over time and throughout life for them. Making a schedule and sticking to it, regardless of the baby's reaction, will set the tone for the child and for you. As they develop into toddlers, they will know that you mean what you say, and they will also know that they won't get picked up out of their crib with every cry or whimper. They will feel secure, knowing that you are in charge and that they are well taken care of, safe, and loved. They will know your expectations of them, which will translate into them meeting those expectations and continuing to strive for the bar when you raise it yet again. Always raising the bar, always striving to do better and reach new goals. This breeds excellence. Remember, it's not how your child of any age reacts to your standards or rules. 
It's how you respond to their outbursts of defiance. If you are unwavering, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and committed to your decisions and consequences and make no excuses, you will see positive results. Just like Mr. Duncan and I did in our classrooms full of all sorts of students. It worked across the board. It fostered excellence in our classrooms and more importantly, in the everyday lives of our students. Anything worth doing is worth doing right. So even the little things matter and should be done right the first time. Having a mindset of excellence in the small things means the big things will follow suit and be done at an exceptional level of excellence. If you didn't have a plan or schedule with your kids from an early age, and maybe you feel like you've lost a little control and it's too late, it's not. Pick one thing or area that you see needs improvement. Start there. Baby steps. The current situation or problem didn't happen overnight, and it will take some undoing over time. That doesn't mean drag it out or make excuses or blame yourself for past mistakes. Set a time goal and articulate it to your child or your young adult. And most importantly, set a consequence if they aren't changing their behaviors to meet your expectations. If there isn't a consequence that really bothers them, it won't work. Especially if you are playing catch-up in this department. Reeling them in and taking control of the reins when you haven't been doing it will take extra determination on your part to stick to your guns. But I promise you, it will be worth it. And if you waver, you'll start over from square one and drag out the timeline of your goals. So in trying to do 1% better every day, ask yourself what your young person is doing or not doing that you would like to see change for the better. Start there. Explain the 1% better concept to them so they will join you in your challenge to improve as well. If your older children, your young adults, are not making their bed or keeping their room clean, start there. If they're not folding the clothes and putting them away in a timely manner after you have asked them to do that, maybe choose that. If they're leaving dishes in the sink instead of loading them in the dishwasher or leaving a full trash can for you to take out, start there. Use yourself as an example and tell them what you are trying to do 1% better each day and then tell them what you expect them to do better and tell them the consequence you have come up with if they don't. <clears throat> Having them help out more around the house or keep their personal appearance in room or vehicle clean will set the bar higher toward taking pride in themselves and what they have been given. It will foster an attitude of wanting to achieve excellence even in the small everyday things. This will be the building blocks for bigger things and will help them have a plan and goals to live better every day. Remember, our goal as parents is to train them up, to be independent, and to have the life skills they need to succeed in the real world, and to use the gifts God has given them to pursue excellence. If you have small children, set an expectation that is realistic for their age. But don't underestimate their abilities. They'll surprise you. Remember, even I was skeptical about Mr. Duncan's requirements for eight-year-olds. I thought he was expecting too much in the beginning. Well, his 30 years of teaching and expecting excellence produced hundreds of children who met his requirements and achieved more than even their parents ever thought they could. Require your little ones to do simple things well. When your toddler spills at the table, 
Give them the paper towel to clean it up instead of you wiping it up for them. They can do it. As soon as they are strong enough, have them scoot their chair up to the table when they're done sitting there. Have them carry their own plate to the sink and then pull a chair over and let them help you rinse the dishes and load the dishwasher. Will this take longer and be messier? Yes. But will you be training them how to do dishes excellently and help out around the house? Yes. I know they can't do this every time, but sometimes on weekends or whatever, whenever you have time, do the dishes together. Have them make their bed every morning. Have your toddler pull up their covers on their toddler bed in the morning and straighten up their stuffed animals and pillows. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just let them do it and praise them for helping and making their bed. Manners are a huge deal to me, and I would encourage you to require them in your very young children and continue to throughout their lives. Saying please and thank you is a must. Table manners and using their silverware instead of fingers and sitting up nicely and taking appropriate bite sizes is also a must. Saying yes, ma'am, and yes, sir will serve them very well in school and in life. People love a child or young person or young adult with manners, and unfortunately, manners have become an antiquated thing of the past. Having your children use manners in the home, at the table, in the classroom, and in public is another way to encourage them to put their best foot forward and to be respectful and expect excellence from a very young age. Be prepared, mom and dad. Requiring manners requires determination and diligence on your part. You must make them use manners every time and have consequences if they don't. The earlier you start, the better. I started with please and thank you, yes ma'am and yes sir, from the moment they could say the words. I didn't think they would ever remember to use their manners, but guess what? The battle was over by kindergarten and they used them without me prompting them. As I wrap this up, I want to dedicate this episode and really the entire Pride series to Mr. Duncan, who made such a huge impact on so many students, parents, and fellow teachers. He loved God, his country, his home state of Virginia, and all of the people God brought into his life. He appreciated the arts and history, poetry, and music. He believed in every child, no matter their color, background, or academic ability. He instilled pride in every child for who they were, a child created by God with a purpose on this earth. He died unexpectedly a few years ago, and we all miss him very much. But we do know he is in heaven with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mr. Duncan kept the bar high and continued to raise it. He expected excellence. No, actually, he demanded it. I wish you could have met him because you would have walked away a better person from just being in his presence. That's just who he was. Thank you, everyone, for being a part of Episode 8's Discussion on Excellence and also tuning in on the Pride series of conversations. I hope I've been able to help give y'all a few bits of information or ideas to actually help you take steps to be 1% better every day as a parent or teacher and also to improve every day in your own personal journey. I'd like to encourage you from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, 
so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We may not be a part of the nation of Israel, but we are God's chosen ones. We are his, and all believers are part of one spiritual race who have been made righteous through Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. Because of his sacrifice, we are able to approach the throne of God like a royal priest would have in the Old Testament. We were bought with a price and are God's possession. We belong to him. We can proclaim the excellencies of him and live as a light in the darkness of this world. As believers, we must remember, this is not the end and this is not our home. I hope that encouraged you like it did me to keep the faith and to proclaim his excellencies. So over the past few months, it's been so rewarding and really fun to hear from parents and grandparents with kids of all ages. Y'all have really encouraged me to keep going and keep sharing from my experience as a mom, teacher, and coach. If I can just honestly help even one person have more confidence as a parent and make a difference in one life of a child, it's all worth it. Just keep moving forward, you guys. Keep raising that bar for your kids and yourselves. It's hard work, and it takes determination on your part to stick to your guns. Remember, we are trying to set our kids up for success in life as independent young adults who are able to have the skills to take care of themselves in the real world without relying on their parents. God has given us the authority and also the responsibility to carry out this task and not give up. He will give us strength but we have to do the work. I can't wait to start our next discussion in Episode 9 of Keep It Real Parenting. Please, if you want to, email me your stories, your questions, or ideas at melindabzachary at gmail.com. That's M-A-L-I-N-D-A, letter B, Zachary, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y, at gmail.com. And visit the Keep It Real Parenting Facebook and Instagram pages. Remember... We may not parent perfectly, but we can parent in a very powerful way. See y'all!